Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello there. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Sexology Podcast. This week, we are continuing our conversation around male sexuality. This is part of the series that we're doing to answer some of the questions that you might have around specifically men and their uh, relationship with their sexuality. Before I tell you specifically about this episode, I want to make sure that you guys know about our new quiz. So one of the questions that I often get from people is like, they're kind of curious about what kind of a lover they are. So if you are curious about what are some of the areas that you're rocking it in the bedroom and where are some of the places that you have room for improvement, you can take this five minutes quiz that I developed based on the research of what makes someone a good lover and you can figure it out. You get the answer right away. As I shared with you that today we're going to talk specifically around erectile functioning. There was this wonderful study at the University of Chicago, and they looked at sexuality throughout the lifespan, and they found that number one leading sex problem that many men have are struggles around rapid or early ejaculation. One of the misinformation that people have that they think that if you are older, you're going to have that problem, or this is a problem only for older men, but it can happen in every age group. And uh, the study showed that one quarter to one third of men admit having it. I know that it's uncomfortable to accept that you're struggling with erectile functioning. So I think this is a good episode to listen to if you have some questions around this. Our guest is Tim Norton. He is a Los Angeles-based sex therapist working in private practice and host of a podcast on erectile issues and male sexuality, Hard Conversations. He obtained his bachelor's and master's degree from the University of Southern California. He's a member of ASAC and he's also worked part-time at the Pain Psychology Center in Beverly Hills. You can find the link to his practice and also his podcast in the show notes. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Tim Norton. Hello and welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am excited and honored to have a fellow podcaster and therapist, Tim Norton, on our show. Tim, welcome to our show. Hey, thank you so much for having me on the show. I am very excited about today's conversation. One of the complaints at times I get from our listeners is that I'm not talking about male's issues and mm. specifically from male's perspective. I mean, kind of makes sense because I'm a, a female therapist and <laughs> at times I feel I, I represent that, that kind of a perspective. So we're doing the entire month on male sexuality and think it's gonna it's wonderful to have you as part of this series oh well thank you so much for having me well one of the things that's in many people's mind when it comes to male sexuality is kind of like quality of erection one of the number one question that i have is people have concerns about erectile functioning but sometimes when they tell me about like what they consider erectile dysfunction it's it's not necessarily a dysfunction it's more of a dissatisfaction 
satisfaction. So please tell us a little bit more about that. How do you distinguish between those two? I really like the way that you distinguish between those two, a dysfunction and a dissatisfaction. Um, I've heard other people say, you know, they have an uncooperative penis. You know, you're, it's when your, your erection isn't doing what you want it to do. So in a dysfunction, you know, I, I like to think of that as a medical term, you know, in that you might have issues with your blood flow. You might have some kind of diabetic or, or, or weight issue. Um, there are rare but um, neurological reasons that can happen. You might have sustained a pelvic injury. You, you might have something going on with your endocrine system, with your testosterone, things like that. That's dysfunction. That, that's when if you're trying to masturbate in the morning, you can't. That's, that's really a good sign. You're not getting... Uh, erections in the middle of the night. You're not getting erections ever or, or, or not full erections, and, and that's going on for a long period of time. The dissatisfaction that you're mentioning or, or the uncooperativeness, that's what we usually, you know, we can, we can call it psychogenic erectile issues or struggles. We can call it anxiety-based. We can call it a, a, a thousand different things, but yeah, it's basically your penis isn't doing what you want it to. Now, simply put, some part of you actually doesn't want your penis to be hard in those situations. You might not be in touch with that, but there's most likely some underlying fear or anxiety or worry or something very unsexy, something that's interfering with your desire. And that could be anything from a bad night of sleep to not wanting to get your girlfriend or boyfriend pregnant or, 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 or have that kind of an intimate moment with them and, and tons of other things. Your, your mom could be sick. You could be worried about money. You could be worried about a global pandemic. And all of those things can interrupt the, your, your sexual excitement development. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> what a wonderful overview because you're absolutely right that there are a number of different reasons that someone might struggle with dysfunction. And I feel Mm-hmm. If everyone at times they're struggling. I feel yes. like people have this unrealistic expectation that every single time their penis needs to work a certain way and no machine works that way. So that I don't know where <laughs> right. that idea com- is coming from. Right, exactly. So tell us so kind of psychologically, what are some of the barriers that might get into people experience and having the kind of a quote unquote normal erectile function? You mentioned a few of them, but what are some of the other possible reasons? Yes. So, you know, the most common barriers that I, I think I see would be, I don't know if barrier is, is, the, is a way to think about it, but it's, it's a psychological barrier. It can be a bad experience mm-hmm. if it stays with you. And we can call it trauma, and it is trauma in a sense that you're flashing back to that moment or, or you have a quick reminder of it. But it doesn't have to be really traumatic. If you just lost your erection, you know, a few times when having sex with a new partner or when you were losing your virginity or, or because somebody's parents walked in, and some part of you always kind of goes back to that moment and replays it at, at a really unfortunate time. And then you're thinking about that. It, it can be just enough to apply the brakes to your, your sexual arousal. That, that could be one thing, like a past traumatic event. Other times can be like a, a real 
you know, guys feel like they have to perform. So well before they're in the bedroom, you know, maybe, maybe while at dinner, maybe before scheduling the date, they're thinking about, okay, how is this sex going to look? And is she or he going to have an amazing orgasm experience and all that? And, and if they don't, is something going to leave me? And, and am I going to be alone forever? You know, all of those things, very unsexy thoughts, right? Very, very um, unsexy thoughts that'll take you out of the moment. But if that's what you are preoccupied with, again, you're, you're interrupting your cycle. You're, you're not going to be in the right state of mind to allow your penis to actually get hard. We need to be a certain level of relaxed in order for our penises to engorge. You know, our penises are like sponges and, and there are things that will tell your, your sponge not to get hard. Like if you're in a state of fight or flight, if you're scared, some part of you thinks uh, we better not do this right now because we've got other things that we're thinking about, then it's, it's going to interrupt that process. So performance old things, you know, dissatisfaction with the relationship. You know, if the partner is complaining a lot in a way that makes you feel bad about yourself or threatening to end the relationship or ending the relationship or, or shaming you or being really distant or, or just being themselves and you've got a bunch of things that are, are bothering you and you haven't voiced them and you're afraid to voice them, that if you say the thing that he or she's going to leave you, and those kinds of things where you, you want to think about it like you're bringing that into the bedroom or, or wherever you're having sex, you're bringing that into the car or the park or wherever, but you're bringing that energy into the bedroom. And those aren't turn-ons, you know, those are different than, hey, let's put on some nice music. Let's talk about something erotic. Like being worried about a breakup um, is not hot. Uh, most of the time, somebody might have a kink that like a breakup kink. I've actually never heard of that, but they might. But most people that I've ever met do not. And it's a big turn up. And, and it again, it puts you it puts you in the wrong state of mind. for. Well, for I'm sex. so glad you talked about the bad experiences, because one of the cycles that like the patterns that I see that at times my male client, they have one bad experience. And then mm-hmm. from after that, that story keeps popping in their head all the time before, during sex, that what if I let my partner down? What if I'm not able to get an erection? And that can turn to this negative loop. And they at times, they get, it's hard to break free from that, which again, it cannot necessarily be even a trauma. It could be a couple of bad experiences. Maybe you drank too much, or you were at a place that like you were exhausted or stressed out, and then, then, then now you're not in that context anymore, but you are kind of like thinking and preoccupied about it it's funny that you say like people are thinking about it even during a date but i see that like when my clients have a date from the week before we're talking about that like mm-hmm. how are we gonna how am i gonna do and kind of all this anxiety around performance and sometimes i tell people like maybe you can talk about it with your partner that this is something that's in your mind so you can kind of like uh, in a way out that anxiety but i, I would imagine in a kind of newer relationship especially for my young younger male client, it's a hard conversation to have. What are some of the psychological ways that you recommend people to tackle this? Yeah. Well, you talk about that one bad experience. I I don't often find, meet people where the bad experience was their only experience. Sometimes that's the case and it just means, okay, this is just going to take some time and, and, and really 
you know, working on it. But a lot of people have a really negative narrative that is dominated by those bad experiences. But then when you really explore their sexual past, you'll hear things like, oh, well, there was that one girl that I met here and we had a great time. And then there's that other person I dated for a few months. And then there was that other guy and then that went really well. And, but they never give themselves credit for that. And and they don't, you know, I, I like them to bask in that and to amplify it and say, hey, you, you know, and what, and I, I explore with them what was going on in those circumstances, you know, were really attracted to them where it was, were you on vacation, um, parents were out of town, um, all, all the things that were working and, and you, you were feeling good, you got a promotion at work and pandemic was over or <laughs> there was no pandemic. And you're trying to recreate like good environmental settings, a good sexual environment for your sex and, and and keep out like you know all those replays of all those bad experiences and and highlight you know you have it within you to get hard to have have a, a sexual experience that includes an erect penis um and, and then i also like to you know you you ask for like a psychological intervention but even just from an educational standpoint to think about sex as this opportunity to be alone and naked and very intimate with someone and that the penetrative sexual intercourse aspect of that isn't everything it doesn't even have to be the main thing you know a, a lot of people really do like the kissing the holding the talking laughing afterwards and and the tension building up to it and all of those things still get to happen and, and if you can just remember that that regardless this is going to be a really enjoyable couple hours or you know and something that you're probably not going to do with anybody else that day or week or if you're in a monogamous relationship for a long time it's really special and to be grateful for that and, and to you know emphasize that and play play up the positives i'm so glad that you talked about that and i know that that's a sex therapist one of the things that we teach people that like in order to have a wonderful sexual experience it doesn't need it uh, like an erect penis doesn't need to be part of it even like many of my male clients they like lesbian porn and there's no erect penis there so i think just story that people tell themselves that in order for us to have a quote-unquote good sexual experience there needs to be a erection and there needs to be a penetration which is not necessarily the kind of the way for many at least even the heterosexual relationship for women to experience pleasure because more than a two-third of women experience pleasure from the clitoral stimulation so it's just like it takes away the uh, kind of pleasure of connecting with with your partner as you mentioned and also kind of the connecting with how it sex feels versus how it, it looks like sorry you were saying something and i got excited <laughs> <laughs> no no absolutely and 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 like you said two-thirds of women just needing clitoral stimulation you don't need a hard penis to, to stimulate a clitoris like mm-hmm. it's actually fairly complicated right there, there's much better ways of doing that than with with the hard penis so so yeah so there's those kinds of, of psychological I don't know fixes or aids to to the sexual experience but also just in general we we bring all of our stressors into the bedroom and so if you have work stress 
or family stress or money stress or health stress or friendship stress or you're not engaging in your hobbies and, and you're not, you know, if you're a spirit, you're a religious person and, and you're out of sync with God or, or with your religiousness and if you are political and, and, and something's really upsetting you about um, what's going on in politics you have to either leave that at the door or you have to sexualize it. You have to, you know, just say, okay, well, tonight we're role-playing, you know, President Trump and Obama sex, like or something really like that. You're going to have to <laughs> bring it in the room because <laughs> if it's on your mind, it, that's what's having sex with your partner. And you, we can all compartmentalize a little, but if like all of these things are adding up and they're, and they're present in the room, you know, if you talk about them, it might not lead to sex that night, but it, it might lead to connection, mm -hmm. you know, and if it's too much that you're always dumping on your partner, you might need therapy or you might need to hang out with your friends more often and, and, and process some of these things. But well, a lot of people I work with or, or who come into the office initially are really out of touch with what I call, you know, things that lead to anxiety um, or stress or high alert or fight or flight, whatever you want to call it. They've just got too much on their mind, too much that really isn't that sexy. And we have to, you know, if you unpack those things, if you start getting some exercise and, and you hang out with your friends more and you call your parents and you repair some relationships and you get a different job or, or you, you start leaving at five o'clock or whatever it is, and, and your anxiety level isn't really high all weekend as a result of it, you're going to see better results as well. Well, also, I think right now, as, as we're recording this in the middle of the pandemic, most mm -hmm. people work at home. And right. like they, the transition from home to office is not right now present for most people. And they don't have that uh, transition period. And so we're, we're having the stressful calls at work. And then uh, next thing, like in 10 minutes, we want to have sex. And maybe we're not in the right mental state. And I love that you talked about the importance of mental space. And I think people can incorporate good strategies and ritual that help them with self-regulation. At times, I feel usually my female client have better practices around that. But for my male client, it's like harder to kind of create those practices. Do you have any suggestions of what can people do to get more in a kind of a optimal zone? That's a, that's a term for a sexual encounter. Sure. You know, and it, it obviously depends on the person, but I, I try to get to know them and what has worked for them. Some guys really get a lot from martial arts or some are boxing or Krav Maga or something really physical. And, and what's nice about those kinds of things is you have to be mindful when you're in situations like that or you get hurt. And, and when they're learning that kind of mindfulness and how to be present in those situations, I, I like to help them utilize those mindfulness skills in the bedroom. I'm so, okay, you know how to do this. You know how to pay attention. You know how to be in your body. Let's, let's do more of that. Some guys aren't physical like that. Some guys, they, they might play music. They might like to go on hikes. Uh, they, they, they might be religious and, and have like regular meditation or, or prayer rituals that they do. So it's going to be different for everybody. But the basics of 
learning about your breath, learning about your body, knowing when you, know, you, you shouldn't just ignore things like your heart feeling like it's beating really fast and your body shaking some part of it, even if it's just your leg, even, you know, we, we normalize that. No, that's, that's a little bit of anxiety, little flutters in your eyes or in your, you know, little ringings in your ears. Like we, we, we just kind of ignore things, but those are all signs that, okay, we need to either really change things up or, or we need a break or we need better sleep or we need to drink less or, or we need to smoke less pot or, or do less Coke or whatever it is because it's catching up. You know, you should feel like you can not be in a stressful state for a good few hours a day where you're not really worried, you know, ideally the whole day, right? Ideally, you're just going about your day and enjoying your life. But, you know, some people just work, 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 work all the day, all day long until, you know, either binging a show or, you know, dealing with the kids or doing something else and then collapsing, not getting great sleep, repeating it. And then there's no time for a body to recalibrate in there. So whatever, you know, if it means, I love a good like softball league where every Wednesday night you go, you're among people who are happy to see you. It's competitive. You know, you're outdoors um, or you, anything that meets on a regular basis that's regulating. But, you know, you, you don't want to go if you hate everybody that's there or, you know, somebody's making fun of you or something like that. It's something that you enjoy and look forward to. Uh, I also think movement can be very useful because I think it's not necessarily it's about our partners. So when I, I find that my clients, when they feel good about themselves, when doing like after running, that's when they are feeling more sexual. And I think as far as even relationally, during foreplay, like when you touch your partner and receiving touch can be grounding. I feel like people often rush through their foreplay and they're not giving it a chance, but that can be also a, a exciting, but also a grounding experience as well. Mm, yeah, I really like that. Definitely. One of the challenges, I guess, look, one of the requests that I hear often, people mm. like men want to last longer in bed. I guess like that's mm -hmm. one of the requests. I don't know. Again, it sounds like more like a performance, uh, kind of mm -hmm. like a mindset versus kind of like focusing on what you need and what works for the relationship. But if people want to do that through the breath exercises, is there any specific breath exercises you recommend? Well, one day I was researching delayed ejaculation. This is when men, it takes them forever to ejaculate. And if you Google that long enough and, and you end up in like Reddit, or someplace like that, you'll hear guys talk about all the mistakes that they're making. And, and honestly, it's kind of a guidebook for lasting longer. Like all the things that they're doing, you know, we, we probably shouldn't be doing because there, there's something very disconnecting about lasting longer. But that, that's essentially what you're doing is you're removing some of the vulnerability from the situation. You know, you, we're all gonna, in a regular sexual penetrative intercourse session, we're all gonna ejaculate between two and seven minutes, you know, if, if we're not like doing anything to interfere with that. But so if, if you do try to prolong that, yeah, it is going to take really paying attention to your breath and really noticing 
what the point of no return is. And, you know, sometimes you have to pull out, you know, that you can, you can stop and, and then restart again. And there's all kinds of little gadgets that people try with cock rings and desensitization creams and things like that. But you want to ask yourself why, you know, and if it is a thing that you probably would want to approach with your partner, like, okay, do we want this? And in what circumstances do we want this? And this person wants to be penetrated for a long period of time. Does that have to do with certain position, you know, and make it like a collaborative, fun experience. Um, because a lot of times guys are just trying to last longer. It's this very isolated, they kind of, they're, they're figuring it out on their own. They're, they're doing it in this like, you know, because they've seen so much porn where the guy just pounded somebody for 45 minutes at a time they're concluding that everybody wants that. But you might want to talk to your partner about that. A lot of women get sore, you know, and porn stars even complain about that hurting or getting old after a while. And you may notice that cameras, you know, there are cuts, there are edits. And then sometimes it's the women asking for breaks because it's it's wearing them out. So, you know, don't don't just come up with this idea. You know, there's there's certainly women out there who are saying, all right, hurry up, finish already. <laughs> like, right. It's not everybody's dream come true. So I, does that answer your question? It does. Yeah. Yes, okay. yes. And I think the other, I guess the key term here is like asking your partner, uh, yeah. not your friends, because I feel like my when I have this conversation, my male clients and office they say oh but my brother says like he's having like he's able to do this for an hour the so-and-so says like he did this took this herbal medicine and now he's able to do it for this this many minutes but you're right that this, is this the, that what your partner wants and truly mm-hmm. is that going to be pleasurable so uh, if not then you don't need to do any of these things and i know one of the other common trick is like i'm thinking about something unpleasant but how mm-hmm. connecting would that be with your partner if you're trying to kind of like prolong this process while you're disconnecting from them emotionally or from the experience. Right, right. And, you know, you could get a a penile injection Uh if you really want to do it and your penis is going to get hard and it's going to stay hard and and it might, but it might be painful and and it might be annoying if if the erection doesn't go down and you've had too big of a dose, but that might not be what your partner wants. So Mm -hmm. talk about it. Absolutely. And I guess like you're, you're filled with wonderful information and insights. So like one of the other common things that I hear from clients is that does size matter? And, and I, I talked about it from my experiences with my clients and my female clients. But tell me about what do you see in your practice? Do you think the size matters for having a fulfilling sexual experience? So I, I think that if you talk about something like size, you, what you're talking about more broadly is sexual compatibility, right? And I like the word compatibility as it applies to sex and also as it applies to relationships because a lot of people, if the sex doesn't go very well or if a relationship doesn't go ever, go very well, they beat themselves up. Um, now, if you come into me and, and every, you know, we had 20 relationships and they're all terrible and 20 sexual experiences, they're all terrible. Okay, that's one thing. But a lot of the time, people have three or four, you know, very good sex partners that they enjoy and then a bad one and or, or a boyfriend or a girlfriend and, and, and it's the same situation. So with sexual compatibility, there, there's so many different things that go into that. You know, some people just naturally have lots and lots of energy. Some people are more mellow on the spectrum. You can have different heights 
different weights, some things that we don't even really measure very well. Sometimes people just have sense about them that we like or don't like. And some people have more hair than we want or, or not nearly enough hair, all kinds of things. And then penis size, normally in order to get to the part of, of a woman's genitals that where, where, where a G-spot might be or the back of the clitoris might be is not very far into the vagina, right? It's, it's only a couple inches. And in, well, 99% of men don't have a, a penis that's smaller than two inches. So in most of those cases, you can have a lot of very satisfying sex with, uh, you know, an average size penis, you know, something along the lines of four or five inches, you're, you're going to be fine. You know, once in a while, you'll, you will meet a, a woman or a man who just likes larger penises inside of them. And again, that's, that's a compatibility issue, but it's not something, you know, there are, it's not that common that, that women are demanding huge penises. And, it, and it's also the, the, some of the things that, that guys do to get those are very destructive. And if, if you're seriously considering that, I also want you to look at your general feelings of self-esteem, you know, it, because you, you're getting into drugs and you're getting into physical alterations to penises that, that can be very painful. Mm -hmm. And I, I imagine you've seen one or two of those people come through the office and it's, it's not pretty. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just know that you're, you're going to find somebody, probably plenty of people who are compatible mm -hmm. with a, a below average size penis. Well, I'm glad you talked about the compatibility piece. And I think more, more importantly, it's like, what's the story that people tell themselves about their penis size. And then if you're thinking about, okay, my penis needs to be this size and there, mm. if it's not, then I'm not good enough, then you'll show up differently in the entire sexual experiences. And even if your partner wants a certain sensation or some experiences with the technology, with different kind of foreplay, different using hands and tongues and all of that, you can, you're able to provide them with that experience. So I think it's more about kind of feeling confident that you're enough and I love that you mentioned that like two inches is all it takes for most people to be able to mm -hmm. experience the experiences that they want to have it's just more of kind of being okay with kind of having an open conversation with your lover about what works for them and what doesn't right right <laughs> so Tim I know that you have a wonderful podcast yourself mm -hmm. and you talk Thank about you. all of these things so if our listeners want to learn more about you about your practice and podcast what are some of the places that they can find you okay so the podcast is called Hard Conversations. And you actually said Hard Conversations earlier in, in this podcast. And that is available anywhere where you get your podcasts. You can find that on iTunes or Spotify or any of the podcast apps and even YouTube. My regular uh, website is timnortontherapy.com and you can follow me on Twitter at timnortonlcsw. Excellent. So we'll leave the link in the show notes. And Tim, thank you so much for coming on this show it was lovely to talk to you thank you so much for having me I hope you guys found our conversation useful and we answered some questions that you had around your erectile functioning. It's interesting to me that how many people getting it wrong when it comes to penis size. Oftentimes I hear from my clients, I get emails from you guys asking me about what is the good penis size and how can I optimize my penis size that I have or how can I make it larger? And it's very interesting that it, it seems like 
most most people I know they're misinformed. I can guarantee almost in in the heterosexual relationship for sure because I see a lot of heterosexual couples in my practice that the penis size often is not correlated with quality of sexual experiences that the partner has. This is just a story that you're telling yourself, and this is not an accurate story. Let me give you an analogy. My husband and I we're horrible with fixing things. Like when when something breaks, we have to call someone to come and fix it. I hope my husband doesn't mind me sharing this. And it's not a matter of what kind of a tool we have in the house. I continuously upgrade the tools that we have, but because we don't know how to use it, we're not we're not fixing the things we need to fix. And it's the same with penis size. That it's not a matter of what you got. It's a matter of how are you using it and lots of excitement and wonderful juice of the sex comes from the fantasy and it's important to keep in mind the sexiest organ that you have is your brain so sometimes it's about how you're setting the mood what are you doing for foreplay what are you doing for oral sex what are you doing with the tools that you got meaning that like other sex toys and stuff that can elevate your sexual experiences. So take it from me that I hear these stories all the time. It's not about a penis size. It's a matter of how are you using it. Anyhow, I hope you enjoyed the episode and we're going to continue this conversation next week around male sexuality. If, if you are a listener, long-term listener or a new listener and want to show us some love, please make sure you're writing a review in iTunes or Stitchers. This week was my birthday and that would be the best gift that you can give me. I love you in advance for your reviews and I'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.